When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I, I tell you what, man, this has not been a boring day. The transfer portal for news anchors is officially open today. (laughs) And Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Jets after a month and a half of, well, is this going to happen or not? What are we doing here? What are we waiting on? Is this going to finally happen or what? Well, it is draft week. Might as well save the dramatics for the actual draft week. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale and Travion Berkland. Phone number 785-537-1350. Pretty busy day. Want to talk a lot about the Cats today. Multiple sports, including the Bad Cats winning a series at UC Irvine. In the second hour, we're going to be joined by a potential first-round draft pick in Julius Brintz. Where has he been working out? How's it been going the last three weeks? Who's he been hearing from? We're going to tackle all those questions coming up a little after 510. And around that time as well, I want to officially announce the subject for our annual The Game Draft. And working on some special guests right now, but I have figured out what we're going to be drafting. And we're going to have that draft coming up on Thursday in the second hour. It's an annual gig, and uh, it'll be the first for Travion. Travion, you're not busy Thursday, are you? You're going to be here, right? Uh, I might go to that. Don't freak me out here. I might go to that uh, thing, the, the Fall Out Boy thing. Yeah. The opening night. Oh, well, of the draft. you can still get there. You can still get there in plenty of time. <laughs> it's probably going to leave around two o'clock on well, Thursday. Okay, well, the draft, I mean, the first round won't be over until 11 something. Probably. 11, 12. So, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, because the first round won't officially it start until after six at least. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't want to blame you for wanting to go see Fallout Boy. I'm mostly going that night just to see how things go for Friday. That's kind of it's kind of my test night. Pre-planning. Yeah. Well, Thursday will be the biggest crowd. You think so? Yes. Okay. Because it's the first round. That's where you're going to see multiple players come up on stage. You know, this is the higher profile picks. Okay. The bigger names. Where you'll see a lot of, the, of course, the high-profile quarterbacks that'll go in the draft. People want to see that. Want to see the first overall pick. Once that first overall pick is announced, then maybe you'll see some people start to scatter a little bit. Maybe go check out the grounds or at least let, let a few picks go by. Right. And then, um, yeah. And then, but it's going to be the busiest night for sure. Okay. The the evidence of that is just ask Nashville. When Nashville, Tennessee hosted the NFL draft, and I think this was actually before the pandemic. I think it was right before, maybe the year before 19, I can't remember. But that's when you, you know, the next day, that next Friday is when you started to hear stories about bachelorette parties 
was not expecting Broadway to just be flooded with dudes wearing NFL jerseys. Sure. Completely caught off guard by that. And the Thursday night activity, it was just absolutely packed for blocks. You could not get into a bar. They were packed from start to finish. Uh, you know, Kansas uh, Union Station, of course, where this draft is going to be held. I don't, I don't blame you at all for wanting to get there early, kind of scout things out. That's a smart thing to do. I would do the same thing if I if I was interested in seeing Fallout Boy. Um, but th- there's no bars around that area. I mean, there is kind of, but you got to walk. You know, it's not like right next door or anything. Here's the thing: the initial clock starts running at seven o'clock. Central. Central time. 8 o'clock Eastern time. 7 o'clock Central. And they have 10 minutes to make the pick. And they usually use all that time. Exactly. You don't usually get picks, you know, coming in, you know, rapid fire, anything like that. Right. It takes a while to get through the first round. Fallout Boy will be going on stage a little bit late, I would imagine. Just a bit, yeah. They announced it was going to be at 10 o'clock. I think for... um Fallout Boy and Motley Crue are coming out at ten o'clock or something. Okay, so okay, so the dr- okay, so they're gonna have the actual bands go on while the draft is taking place. The thing is, the first round will not be done by ten o'clock. Correct. It will not be done. No, not not when you have thirty-one teams picking. Yep, thirty-one, not thirty-two. Maybe just just the estimated time. I don't know, but that's what they both posted on their hmm. social media. Might have to do a little bit more homework on that we might need that may be as well just to make sure that everybody's in the neighborhood at the time right rather than dealing with the traffic right i'd imagine they're just not going to put you know motley crew on stage cold as in the crowd cold right there's got to be some sort of warm-up so is so is crew and fallout boy like are they not going to be on like the main draft stage is there a separate stage i believe so i couldn't tell you i didn't know that Mm. All right, well, let's do some homework on that because I would I, I would like to know. I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna make it to Motley Crue Friday because we got baseball, um, but, but we'll see. I mean, you know, now that I said it out loud on air, you know, there goes my excuse. Oh, I'm sick. I can't make it. <laughs> Priorities, man. Big, 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 tw- big, well, big twelve. And Crew is gonna be. They're gonna be in Omaha this summer. No, okay. that's on a Saturday. And see, to me, this is like lap, making up if I so I don't have to go to that because the whole th- reason I want to see that show in general is just to see John Five and Motley Crue. So I'm like, oh, this is well, like John Five will be with them in Omaha. I know, but I'm this is free, so I'm like knocking that out. Mm. Draft theater stage is on the north lawn of the Liberty Memorial. Okay, so it is a completely separate stage then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fall Out Boy will outdraw the NFL draft, I think, at that point. When they go on stage, I think most people would rather be interested in that because you get later into the draft day and round one, it gets it gets boring after a while. Right. So wouldn't be surprised if people uh, just mosed their way over to Fall Out Boy at that time. So maybe they will go on 10 o'clock sharp. I just hope, like, with it being the draft, I just hope NFL paid them the money that they would – Asked for to play a full set, right? You don't I'm sure it's going to be a shorter set. set. Yeah, Ugh, I don't like that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers getting uh, traded to the Jets after 40 days. This was 40 days after 
Aaron Aaron Rodgers. I say Aaron Judge. Aaron Rodgers goes on Pat McAfee and says he wants to be traded to the Jets so he can get back together with his uh, second favorite wide receiver he's ever played with, Alan Lazard. Seriously, we're going to hear about the Jets wandering 40 days in the wilderness until they got Aaron Rodgers, huh? Well, poor Zach Wilson. Poor, uh, poor, uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, Love, who's now going to be the quarterback. Well, the thing is, with all the – there have been so many picks that was involved with this trade that basically with the trade, the Packers also move up a couple of spots in the first round. So, I mean, they've invested into the future with this trade, and there's a good chance they'll be taking a quarterback pretty early in the draft. They're just going to go with another type, Aaron Rodgers type in the draft, potentially, unless they decide to trade up for some reason. But, no, it's very crazy, very crazy. And, I mean, my thought, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers has been doing this for, you know, he's been playing, what, over a decade and a half in the NFL, he was drafted in 2003, and then he had to wait a little while till Brett Favre got out of there and took the old man route to go to – went to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to change his number. He's not going to wear Joe Namath's number 12. He's going to change it to number 8, the number he wore in college. You know, the Jets might be really solid next year. They already have a pretty solid defense. I mean, this might have been just the weak link they needed to fill. Quarterback. Interesting. Heaven help us. Uh, let's get to uh, some K-State topics here. I got a top 10 list I'll get to later in this first hour. Back hats as well coming up. Uh, I got a, a segment especially for Travion coming up at about, uh, well, the last segment of the first hour. Uh, I wanted to open up here with Keontae Johnson, the news that he is officially entered into the NBA draft process. Um, he put out a full statement on social media. Very nice letter to the K-State fans. Uh, and I always hate it when people criticize these student-athletes for putting out these letters as like a thank you and then announcing at the end, heading into the NBA draft or the portal or whatever. The criticism towards that just boggles my mind. Let them have this moment. Let them think the fans and then let them make the announcement they want to make. It's perfectly fine. It's their social media after all. Well, it's like announcing, oh, he got a different job. I mean, most of, you know most people that announce this stuff, you know, a lot yeah. of people don't care about that. People do care about Keontae Johnson in that he has decided that he's going to enter his name into the NBA draft process. That there's a you know there's an extra piece of information here though. Not everybody does this. He says he is maintaining his eligibility, and then the last line is my story continues to be written. So the door is left cracked open for Keontae Johnson to make his return to the Wildcats for his last year of eligibility after taking two years off due to, of course, collapsing on the court at Florida State while he was a Florida Gator, missed two years, came back, and had an all-American season with K-State. 17.7 rebounds a game, newcomer of the year, first team All-Big 12, and he was a finalist for uh, the small forward of the year in college basketball. And... There's no doubt about it. To me, I mean, he obviously has a talent. He's an all-around phenomenal and talented player. I I don't, you know, I'm trying to find all these mod drafts and stuff for the NBA draft, which is still obviously a couple of months away. Not a lot does list Keontae Johnson, but the whole part of this process is he's got over a month. He's I I you know I would imagine he'd be invited to the combine. It's a very limited amount of people that get invited to the Combine for the NBA, but he'll get the feedback that he's looking for. Is there enough incentive? Is he going to hear what he wants to hear? 
be graded out where he feels like he should be or at least where he is projected that'll make him happy to stick with the NBA draft. If not, he has the option to come back and be a Wildcat for one more year, hopefully boost his stock, and by the way, he can still make a lot more money uh, depending on where he'd be graded out in some NIL opportunities. One of the things that I also wonder being at play here, how much of this is putting the feelers out to find out which team has a concern over his health and which team would clear him? Much like K-State as opposed to Florida in terms of clearing him to play. So you think there's some teams out there that would have some great concern after Keontae did play a full season without any issues? I think that there is probably someone that is still going to be Leary. Probably. Yeah. I, I just, I it, it's call it a hunch, call it a gut feeling. It's just there in looking at the situation and knowing how cautious teams are especially nowadays, it feels like, with the NBA draft. And when you have guys who have had injuries at the college level that still have gone on to be high picks, they've gotten burned a bit of late. Zion Williamson comes to mind. And his injury at Duke wasn't all that big of an injury. Yet, there's this feeling that the Pelicans got burned with that pick because of what his body build and his history has been and i'll tell you what i'll never forget watching the nba draft lottery and when the pelicans drew the first pick of that draft for zion williams and it was the zion williamson lottery Mm -hmm. that that war room went bananas Mm -hmm. for zion williamson yeah now i don't keep up with the nba like i don't i don't know the whole story about zion what he's doing what he's not doing um but of course you know keontae johnson is not zion williamson he's not the sought after pick I mean, he is, and he's getting older as well. He'll be 23 by the time this draft this year does take place. And if he decides to wait another year, play another year with the Cats, he'll be 24. And he's already older than a lot of the guys that'll be in the draft. Oh, yeah. After even taking a couple of years off, he'll be 23. Yeah, he's a lot older. A lot older than a lot of the guys that are going to be picked up in this draft. And, it, you know, year in and year out, you're seeing more guys that it seems like they're getting younger and younger, even though can't get much younger than, you know, one year in college basketball. Or, you know, guys are coming out of Europe mm-hmm. and being picked early in these drafts. Um, but I can't give you, like, an educated guess on, like, today where Keontae Johnson would fall in that pecking order. That time, you know, time will tell us that story, but it's not 100% Keontae Johnson is done with K-State. The door is cracked open, but the way I feel right now is that I would imagine he's done with K-State and ready for professional basketball, and I really hope he does. I hope he gets that opportunity. Given the age, you especially would expect that. Honestly, at this point, absolutely he should be looking that way. Absolutely he should be. But, you know, I don't I don't have to say it. If he were to come back... That would be open absolutely arms. ginormous. Open arms. Absolutely ginormous. But I wouldn't put expectations in that. Like, don't I? Maybe keep in the back of your mind that that's a possibility, but, you know, I'm not expecting, like, with the four scholarships open, 
I'm not expecting Keontae Johnson to come back, take one of them back, of course, and now you're down to three. Right. Even though, yes, we would obviously open him back with open arms, for sure. It's just not my expectation that he plans to come back and play for K-State. That's the fallback plan. Probably it's plan B. Plan A is professional basketball. Plan B just leaves the door open. Like, the door open with NIL leaves it much more open than if NIL was not in play. That would be a much different story, most likely. Uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, you know, I didn't do one last week, and we don't have a show tomorrow. I'm taking the day off. I'm going to go to a concert. So let's do it. Top 10 list when we come back on the game. Mitch, Troy, Trey, 785-537-1350, the phone number. Got the Royals tonight, right? Who are they playing? Arizona. Mm. 840 first pitch, 8 o'clock coverage. Intriguing. Got a lot of Western time zone, Mm -hmm. West Coast time zone uh, baseball going on. Because you got the Batcats against Riverside tomorrow. Cracked me up that the timing was just so dead on with the... Two teams being out west. If you missed it, did you catch any of the Batcats this weekend? I was on Watch the board on bit. Saturday. Oh, that's right. Um, it was a nice win Saturday. It was a tremendous win Saturday. It was a rough start. Just you just get a couple of runs. Yeah, just kind of grind away. Got a, got two runs in the third. Yeah, kind of nice little battle back there. Cats win two out of three at UC Irvine. And we mentioned last week that winning a series at UC Irvine would be huge. Because you're talking about a team entering that three-game series, top 40 in the RPI, according to mm-hmm. the NCAA. So if Cats could get a couple of wins there, and they didn't get the win Sunday, they lost 7-1. to And, you know, I, I, I do have a little bit of concern with the back Cats when it comes to just the, the depth when it comes to pitching. I really do. I think they have found two really solid starters that I just wasn't sure about heading into the season. Owen Borma... The transfer from Northwestern at D3 school in, in many era in St. Paul. Man, he has become really solid and really reliable as a Friday guy. Had Monfajardo with some growing pains, has done really solid. That's a guy that grinds. Absolutely grinds. He went five innings on Saturday, threw a hundred pitches, just gave up a couple of runs. I, I thought he was really solid. Now, somebody else that really stood out to me on Friday. Tyson Neighbors might have had his best outing yet. Was phenomenal. He, he he pitched three innings, seven strikeouts, no no runs, no walks, no hits. Mm-hmm. Only two mistakes is that he hit a couple of batters. Tyson Neighbors has really improved as well. Really reliable guy. If he if you need a three-inning save, he'll come out and get it for you. He'll come get those nine outs. And he did so, so well against the Anteaters on Friday. Um, but with those two wins, it, man, if they would have got that sweep, just absolutely ginormous. But they got two out of three. That's excellent. Excellent work by the Bat Cats, And they have just built a better resume. 
That that's what they need to continue to mm-hmm. do. Build a better resume because let's be real, they have not they did not play and they're still not playing the toughest non-con schedule. Not the toughest in the world. Not really even close. With the wins for K-State, they did jump 15 spots in the RPI. They're now 67th, which is better, but you're not feeling the most comfortable right now. No. I mean, K-State could finish third place in the Big 12 and not get into the tournament. That can happen. But they're winning the games they need to. Absolutely. Sweeping Kansas, winning two out of three against UC Irvine, that is phenomenal. They are winning games they need to win. Now, if you look at the Big 12 standings, and this is where, I mean, it starts to obviously become very important now. I think K-State did get themselves thrown a bone here. I never would have imagined Texas playing Oklahoma in a three-game series and Texas losing all three games. Oklahoma did K-State an absolute solid. Mm-hmm. That was big time because Texas, entering last week, was top dog in the Big 12. They have now dropped. K-State didn't play in the Big 12 this last weekend, of course. Everybody else did. Now, with K-State, again, uneven when it comes to the number of Big 12 games that have been played, currently stand in third place. West Virginia in first at 8-4, and four, but they've played three less conference games than K-State. Oklahoma State is in second. They've played three more games than K-State. If you're a K-State fan, feel fortunate that Oklahoma State is still on the schedule. West Virginia is not. West Virginia still has to play more games than you do mm-hmm. in the conference. They have some room to slip up, of course. It's baseball. Things happen. Unpredictable game in and game out. Oklahoma State is a road trip. And K-State, what have they've done so well this year is play much better baseball on the road. I think this is like... I think they're getting close to like a record number of wins on the road this year. I'm not exactly sure. 13, and so they're tied for the best. So they're tied for the best record and best number of wins ever on the road in K-State baseball history. I think last year they had four. Yeah. Something like that, four yeah. wins on the road last year, something in that neighborhood. They're much much more improved. But they're not NCAA tournament bound yet. There's still work to do, in my, in my opinion. But we're starting to get to that part of the season where – with four or five weekends left after you play a few more games, then you're going to start seeing maybe some more accurate bracketology, and there's not a whole lot of that out there anyway when it sure. comes to college baseball. But the Cats still have work to do, and they have, I think, a very tough schedule ahead of them, still with Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and TCU still on the schedule. But let me just say this. It's very fortunate that two of those three series are at home. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech is this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Toyton Family Stadium. First pitch Friday will be at 6 o'clock. Those are very big games. Two out of three. If they start winning two out of three down the stretch, K-State's been really good on Friday and Saturdays. It's the Sundays that have been a little bit rough at times. And I still think back of the Texas series, if K-State could have got that first win Friday against Texas and won the series – I mean, they're probably a top 50 RPI team. And that is a – I mean, one game could be a much bigger resume booster, but they didn't get it, unfortunately. That was a game that was lost in the later innings. But they have the offense to pull off two out of three. They have the pitching that can get you two out of three. 
yeah, Sunday starter remains the question mark. I also, the, the thing I worry about is, again, the depth with pitching. And we, we've seen K-State lose weekday games to teams they shouldn't be losing to. Right. St. Thomas is one. Yes. Uh, you know, a football score at Air Force. Wichita State, honestly. Yeah, Wichita State was a, was a rough one, even though it's not the end of the world. But you can't afford, I think, too many of those losses with just the weak non-con schedule that has been played. Right. So, again, Friday first pitch, 6 o'clock, let's get out there to Toyton Family Stadium. These are very, very big series coming up for the Batcats to try to get into the NCAA tournament for the first time in a decade. Of course, Owen Borma, who's been such a crafty pitcher this year for K-State, will be on the mound for the Batcats. And tomorrow, they will play... Uh, UC Riverside, and that's a bad team. That's a (laughs) game you do not want to lose if you're K-State. All right, coming up next, we'll finish up the hour with uh, a little, uh, because I know he's a big fan of the show, Malcolm in the Middle. I want to bring that up when we come back to finish up the hour next. Finishing up hour one of the game with myself, Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. Got a call, uh, during the last segment about why we didn't mention Steve Grogan, part of the draft talk, I was, well, I was doing facts, like top 10 facts. He just didn't kind of fall into any of the interesting facts. Fifth round guy, yeah, he had a long career in the NFL, 15 years, but that's cats in the NFL history, kind of just doing some draft history. Uh, Travion, I think you might be intrigued by this. So you're a big fan of Malcolm in the Middle, right? Yes. But ever since Malcolm in the Middle, Frankie Muniz, who is you know the, the star of the show, the middle child. Well, he wasn't, well, kind of like, kind of the middle child. <laughs> there were four sons. He's Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he hasn't done a lot of acting recently. He was Agent Cody Banks. I remember that. Right. Movie. Big Fat Liar was a big one when I was younger, too. Yeah, much kid stuff. Other, mm-hmm. Well, Malcolm in the Middle, I don't know if that was necessarily directed towards kids. Never forget in the opening intro, the opening credits, you... I know it's, you're going to talk yeah. about the wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Bret, Hart is, <laughs> Bret Hart is attempting to put um, Chris Benoit on a sharpshooter. Uh, that it was taken from the, their match in Kemper Arena. Oh. Uh, from the Owen Hart tribute show. Did you know Frankie Muniz is now racing? Race car driver. He's done it on and off mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. I remember he w- did it for a while, and then he stopped, and now he's starting back up. Well, not only has he started it back up, he is now, this is an everyday thing for him. Not like every day, but this is his. This is a full-time thing now. Because Frankie Muniz is now racing full-time in the ARCA Menard Series. It's a the minor league, one of the minor leagues for NASCAR. It's a support series is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still race on big boy tracks. Right. For instance, they were just in Talladega, and he finished in ninth place. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting. that's a, That's probably one of the more intimidating tracks, I would think, in NASCAR. It's one of the most well-known, for sure, when it comes to NASCAR tracks. But the ARCA finished in ninth. And again, this is something you said he's been doing off and on, but now taking it seriously as a full-time race car driver. It's early in the season, and they still got quite a few races to go. But with that ninth place finished, Frankie Munez, a former child actor, is now the points leader. 
Wow. In the ARCA. Wow. Never would have expected that because I had never heard of Frankie Muniz. I, oh, I've heard of him, but I'd never heard you, of him as a race car driver or any sort of racer mm-hmm. previously until it kind of got out there that he's now making it a full-time thing. Nice. And he's yeah, well-sponsored. I think that you know he's well-sponsored, and that's a big part of racing, of course. Just ask Paul. He'll tell you that when it comes to racing, it's very important to have great sponsors to give you the car you need. Then he might probably probably still rich. I'm, I would imagine he did very well. I heard him talking on the Stevo podcast. I watched that too, and he talked about that. Uh, he was very smart with his money because as child yes. actors, you have people in your pockets. Yeah, and there's also a law where, you know, the parents that take in this money for you as a child actor, fifteen percent of that has to go like away, has to be put away in an account for that kid. Right. When they turn to when they're adult age, and then they can access that money. But he like invested it and did all mm-hmm. this and that. He like he said he invested in parking lots. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, on the outside it sounds really dumb. Like, is there a lot of money there? It's how the crafts got the in Patriots. L.A. Well, well, yeah. Just wait until somebody wants that land for something. Then that investment paid off extremely lucrative. Hour two coming up here in just a matter of moments. Got a recruit for basketball entering MHK later today, plus my interview with K-State cornerback Julius Brintz. But also coming up next, it's your local news. Stick around. Hour two of the game next.